Hello and welcome to this Alan and Avery podcast on non-fungible tokens or NFTs. NFTs have become a global phenomenon over the past 12 months, emerging everywhere from fine arts to professional sports, from music to social media, and even to politics. My name is Ben Renyard Weinrabe, and I help lead ANO's global fintech and crypto practice. In this podcast, I'm joined by Bella Carlson in our Silicon Valley office, Andre de Rosa in Hong Kong, and Louise Utting in London to talk about what NFTs are, why they're generating so much interest, and some of the things to watch out for. So Bella, can you start by telling us what a non-fungible token really is? Sure, Ben. The short and technical answer is that an NFT is a unique cryptographic token that has attached metadata issued on a blockchain. The metadata often contains a hyperlink to digital content. To explain further, we can think of an NFT as typically having four basic components. The first component is the token itself. Think of it as a verifiable signature. The token is recorded or quote unquote issued on a blockchain. Anyone can view what address minted the token and who has owned the token previously. The second component is the associated metadata. This can be a piece of computer code that can create an image or a hyperlink to content hosted online, such as an MP3 audio recording, a graphic or image or text. For example, Jack Dorsey's first tweet, which he sold as an NFT. The most common type of metadata is hyperlink to the digital content. However, there are notable pixel art projects and generative art projects that contain the code for the content within the token's metadata itself. This is so-called on-chain art. The third component of an NFT is the smart contract, which is not a contract at all, but rather a series of automatically executable instructions associated with the NFT, or to put it another way, a set of rules that govern how the token can behave or interact with the blockchain. For example, a smart contract can instruct that upon the sale of the NFT, a royalty of 5% of the sale price automatically goes to the creator of the NFT. The fourth component is the contract or promise that comes with an NFT's issuance, commonly found in the terms of use for the platform through which the NFT is issued or sold. This is not a technology element. Rather, we're talking about a promise by the issuer of the NFT which gives the token its value. It might be, for example, that the issuer undertakes not to issue another NFT with the same content or promises that the token holder can enjoy, perform, exploit, or sell the content. Arguably, this layer is the most important, but the least understood. Thanks, Bella. That's clear as to the typical nature of an NFT. May I now turn to you, Andre, to describe the players within the burgeoning NFT ecosystem? Thanks, Ben. The NFT ecosystem is a global one that's developing rapidly but nonetheless has some identifiable key features. Firstly, we have content creators, be they musicians, artists, influencers, gamers, or related companies in those sectors. These are the people who produce content which goes into the NFTs. Then there are issuers and marketplaces. In principle, anyone can use open source software to issue an NFT to, for example, their Ethereum wallet and then sell it. But often, 
creators use platforms like OpenSea or Rarible to issue and then market their token, as these are the venues where most trading activity occurs. NFTs are, of course, issued on a blockchain. So at the core of the market are blockchains like Ethereum, Solana, and Flow. Finally, on the buy side, there are individuals like you and me who just want to own NFTs, as well as institutional buyers who want to resell NFTs or fractionalize them. Thanks, Andre. We'll come back to fractionalization. But first, it would be helpful to understand how NFTs are regulated. Louise, the broader crypto ecosystem has for some time been attracting considerable attention from regulators. Is that also the case for NFTs specifically? And perhaps you can start with a regulatory environment in the UK and Europe. Thanks, Ben. I'll give some thoughts on the applicability of the UK and EU level anti-money laundering and financial services regulatory regimes. The UK and EU money laundering regimes apply to certain crypto asset service providers, notably certain exchanges and custodians. In the UK, a crypto asset is defined as a cryptographically secured digital representation of value or contractual rights that uses a form of distributed ledger technology and can be transferred, stored or traded electronically. Whether an NFT satisfies this definition is likely to turn on whether it's a representation of contractual rights. On the one hand, as Bella explained, an NFT tends to come with contractual rights. But on the other hand, such contractual rights may arguably be collateral to rather than part of the NFT. And it seems unlikely that the UK legislation would, at the time it was drafted, have had NFTs in mind. It's therefore debatable as to whether an NFT would constitute a representation of contractual rights so as to fall within the scope of the UK money laundering regime. In our view, given the UK regime appears to have been deliberately widely drafted, there is a real possibility that an NFT would be deemed to fall within scope. As regards the EU level regime, although the UK implemented the EU crypto asset money laundering regime, the UK went beyond the EU money laundering directive, which is limited to virtual currencies, and so we think it unlikely to cover NFTs. As regards the application of financial services regulation, a basic NFT that simply grants an individual license to enjoy content is unlikely to be regulated at present in the UK or the EU. However, if other types of right attached to an NFT, they would need to be reviewed to identify whether they might give rise to, for example, securities regulation. Furthermore, certain EU countries, such as France, have purely domestic crypto asset regimes not deriving from EU legislation, which would need to be considered. Or as the UK has done for money laundering, their regimes may more expansively implement or interpret EU legislation. Finally, looking into the future, based on current proposals, we don't anticipate basic NFTs being brought within future regulation at the UK or EU levels. Of course, this will need to be monitored because the appetite for regulating NFTs may quickly evolve depending on their uptake and emerging risks. Many thanks, Louise, for that overview on the regulatory landscape in the UK and EU. Andre, is there a clear and consistent approach to regulation of NFTs in the APAC region? Unfortunately, the answer is no, Ben. There are different approaches across APAC jurisdictions when it comes to regulating digital assets, but so far the attention has been on the crypto exchanges and crypto trading. It's not even clear whether NFTs come within relevant definitions. For example, in Hong Kong, part of the definition of virtual asset requires it to function as 
a medium of exchange accepted by the public as payment for goods or services or for the discharge of a debt or for investment purposes. It's unclear whether NFTs satisfy this definition, in particular, whether they could be viewed as a medium of exchange accepted by the public for investment purposes, although we'd argue probably not. It's also a bit of a gray area in mainland China. Whilst there is a general ban on cryptocurrencies, there's an active local NFT market, but which, when marketed, tends to downplay the financial, investment, and resale aspects of the NFTs. So for the moment, it seems that NFTs are not in the regulatory spotlight in China just yet. Many thanks, Andre. Turning now to the US, Bella, what are your thoughts? From a regulatory perspective, there hasn't been much action yet in terms of enforcement, and there's uncertainty. What we can see is that an NFT in itself, without any promises of profit, does not necessarily fall squarely within the definition of a security. However, with certain innovations in this space, such as, for example, fractionalization or platforms rewarding collectors aside from an eventual appreciation, these types of structures may be tending closer to what is considered a security. Amongst other things that entities in this space need to have in mind is the trade sanctions aspects. Since geofencing may be difficult or even impossible depending on the setup of the platform. So it sounds like regulatory compliance is potentially a tricky issue for anyone operating in the NFT space, particularly given that the ecosystem is so global in nature. Aside from regulation, what else should firms and individuals watch out for in the NFT space, Bella? Well, the question of how intellectual property is bundled together to be tokenized deserves a podcast of its own. If someone is buying from a major platform, an IP license will often be found in the terms of service of the platform, conveying, for example, limited right to the buyer to display the NFT content on their social media and to be able to sell the token on a marketplace. Many projects in the space also utilize Creative Commons licenses and at times creation of derivative works is directly encouraged. What's important for the creators of NFTs to have in mind is that a Creative Commons license does not confer these rights only to the token holder. It allows anyone to use and redistribute the content as long as they follow the license. We're also seeing NFT-specific open source licenses growing in popularity in the space, such as the Nifty license, which conveys limited IP rights to the token holder, such as being able to commercialize the content of the NFT up to $100,000. With the rise in popularity of on-chain generative art, meaning that the art is generated from code on the blockchain, we will likely also see licenses that distinguish between the underlying code and the artwork itself in the future. In the NFT space, there's also an increasing trend of decentralization, meaning that artists and brands are, with the help of different blockchain services, deploying their own smart contracts. What's important to keep in mind for these players is that they need associated terms with the sale of the tokens, the smart contract not being sufficient in and of itself. Additionally, depending on the type of content associated with the NFT, it can get more complex. For example, if I'm a music producer wanting to issue an NFT of a performance, 
I might need to engage with the artist's image, whoever produced the cover art, of course, the holder of the publishing rights and license to the music and its distribution, all of which might be held by different people and subject to existing prior contracts. And that's before we even consider how to collect royalties in the blockchain context. Are you seeing anything similar in the UK, Louise? Thanks, Bella. From a European perspective, that's part of an often broader uncertainty as to what rights attach to an NFT. There's little uniformity today. NFTs seem sometimes to create licenses to IP, but sales frequently promise ownership without being clear what the token holder is in fact getting and whether the issuer is even entitled to give this. The nature of an NFT is important for buyers to understand and also for platforms and exchanges to consider. These structuring points can also potentially have an impact on whether NFTs fall within the financial services regulation. Following on this theme, I think Andre was about to touch on fractionalization. Thanks, Louise. Yes, fractionalization is the process of taking an NFT, which can't be split into smaller pieces, and sending it to a private key address called a Spark contract, which you've pre-programmed to issue a number of fungible tokens that give the holders a right to a portion of the NFT locked in the smart contract. You've essentially securitized an NFT, and the process has a lot of parallels with creating units in a collective investment scheme. Thank you. This has been a helpful overview of NFTs and some of the big issues they raise. To conclude, it sounds like the NFT space is dynamic and potentially presents a number of opportunities, but with a variety of risks as well as legal and regulatory pitfalls to watch out for across numerous jurisdictions. Thanks so much to Bella, Andre and Louise for speaking and to you for listening. And as always, do contact us if you'd like to know more and please look out for our next podcast on NFTs. Mm-hmm.